Glad you're here today. One other thing that I need to tell you that I haven't said anything about yet, and that is that uh, since I've come to Reading, God has given me the most amazing woman to be my wife that I could, and I never thought I'd get married again. And uh, she just uh, last evening we were having our devotion and uh, prayer time and we read this statement when God is present the difference is obvious isn't that good that's true in your life that's true in all of our lives and that's true in a church as well when God is present things are different amen I don't know when the last time God showed off in your life. I like that term. He just has a way of showing up and showing off, doesn't he? Um, doing some great things beyond our own thoughts or imaginations at times. I don't know what kind of week you've had. Here we are. I have the privilege of sharing with you God's word today. I'm so thankful for that. And especially on this first Sunday of a brand new year. How'd your first week go? Mine sucked. <laughs> Most of it, not all of it. And I got, maybe I'm not supposed to say that in church. I don't know. But, you know, fire me. Ha <laughs> ha, go ahead. <laughs> uh, um, but God, he, he just turns things around for our good and his glory. Amen. And he does that so often. Um, I'm so thankful just to be sharing God's word with you this morning. And, and for the next few weeks, we're going to begin a new series this morning that I am so excited about, I can hardly stand it. I hope you'll become excited with me. Um, these are exciting days in which we are living. And you and I that know Christ as our personal Savior ought to be really excited because every day, and, and I've made a habit of doing this, every day that I get up, I just say, thank you, Lord, that I'm another day closer to seeing you face to face. Isn't that a great thought? Every single day is like that. Um, <clears throat> we're living in a time like it's never been before. Just to share a few things with you. From 1900 to 1950, 50 years, there were six 8.0 earthquakes total wor worldwide. Since 2010, there have been 10. Early in 2018, there were 70 earthquakes in the Pacific Ring of Fire, which we are part of, in 48 hours. The king is coming. Amen. Perhaps this year, perhaps today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, and also in Luke chapter 17 and verse 23 through 30, people were lulled into a sense of false security of their day. They were enjoying life like, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, like we enjoy life. But they were focused on self. Keep that in mind this morning as we go forward. They were oblivious to God's commandments. Their thinking was all is well, and then what? 
judgment came. In 2018, in our country, we saw more of a social decay. We are a more divided nation today than we've ever been. Suicide is up 33% and is the leading cause of death for young people between the ages of 15 and 24. No hope. That's what they're thinking. Over one million people are homeless in our country. And I don't know if you're aware of this. I read it just two weeks ago. It was staggering to me. Over 100 churches will close their door every week in America. Fires, we're very familiar with that. Hurricanes, tornadoes, flooding. During such times, what kind of people should we be? We'll not take time to read this verse this morning, but I hope you'll take it down and go home and read it. 2 Peter chapter 3, 11 through 14 tell us, uh, tells us exactly the kind of people that we should be. And we could put one word out there beside those, if you're interested in uh, putting something in your Bible, writing in your Bible, we're to be diligent. Luke chapter 21, verse 26, in the latter days, men's hearts shall fail them. But you and I that know Christ and have hope, we're not to fear. It continues to say, let us not fall asleep in the light. Never before have we lived in such a day of opportunity. You say, what do you mean? People are asking questions. They want answers. And you and I, as God's kids, have the answers. Amen? It's not a time to be silent. It's not a time to be timid, but a time to share Jesus. And we need to get our eyes off of what's happening around us onto him. And that's a, the introduction to my series this morning. That's the title of the message, the series. It's not about me, rescue from a, no, go back. Rescue from a life that I thought would make me happy. There are a lot of unhappy people in the world today. Have you noticed? And there are a lot of unhappy Christians as well. I want to read to you from an excerpt of a book that I have written. Written, yeah, right. I read just a few, not too long ago. And um, so this is going to be story time for the first two or three minutes this morning. I hope that you will pay uh, attention to uh, what is being said here. And because he was who he was, God, he did what he did. He created a paradise, a sinless sanctuary without time, death, or hurt, a gift built by God for his ultimate creation. And when he was through, he knew that it was very good, but it wasn't enough. His greatest work hadn't been completed yet. One final masterpiece was needed before he would stop. So this morning... Would you imagine with me what may have taken place on that day? God placed one scoop of clay upon another until a form lay lifeless on the ground. All of the garden's inhabitants paused to witness the events. Hawks hovered, giraffes, giraffes stretched, butterflies paused on petals and watched. You'll love me, nature, God said. I made you that way. You will obey me, universe for you were designed to do so. You will reflect my glory, skies, for this is how you were created. And But this one will be like me, 
This one will be able to choose. All were silent as the creator reached into himself and removed something yet unseen, a seed, a seed called choice. Creation stood in silence and gazed upon this lifeless form. An angel spoke, but what if, what if he chooses not to love the creator finished? Come, I will show you. And unbound by today, God and the angel walked into the realm of tomorrow. There, see the fruit of the seed of choice, both sweet and bitter. The angel gasped at what he saw. Spontaneous love, volunteer devotion, chosen tenderness. Never had he seen anything like these. He absorbed the kindness and marveled at its warmth. Heaven has never seen such beauty, my Lord. Truly, this is your greatest creation. Ah, but you've only seen the sweet. Now, witness the bitter. All of a sudden, a stench enveloped the pair. The angel turned in horror and proclaimed, What is that? The creator spoke only one word. Selfishness. The angel stood speechless. Never had he seen such filth. Rotten hearts, ruptured promises, forgotten loyalties, children of the creation wandering blindly, lonely, and aimlessly. This is the result of choice, the angel asked? Yes. They will forget you. Yes. They will reject you. Some will. Most won't come back. What will it take to make them listen? The creator walked on in time further and further into the future until they stood by a tree, a tree that would be fashioned into a cradle. Even then, he could smell the hay that would surround him. With another step into the future, he paused before another tree. It stood alone. The trunk was thick and the wood was strong. Soon it would be cut. Soon it would be trimmed. And soon it would be mounted on another hill. And soon he would be hung on it. He felt the wood rub against a back that he did not yet possess. Will you go down there, the angel asked? I will. Is there no other way? There is not. Wouldn't it be easier not to plant the seed? Wouldn't it be easier not to give the choice? It would. But to remove the choice would be to remove love. He looked around the hill for the hill and foresaw a scene. Three figures hung on three crosses, arms spread, heads fallen forward. They moaned with the wind. Men clad in soldiers' garbs sat on the ground near the trio. They placed garments in the dirt and laughed. Men clad in religion stood off to one side. They smiled arrogantly, cocky. They had protected God, or so they thought, from this false one. All heaven stood to fight. All nature rose to rescue. All eternity poised to protect. But the Creator gave no such command. It must be done, he said and withdrew. But as he stepped back in time, he heard the cry that he would someday scream, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He wrenched at tomorrow's agony.
The angel spoke again. It would be less painful. The creator interrupted softly, but it wouldn't be love. They stepped once again into the garden. The maker looked earnestly to the clay creation. A monsoon of love swelled up within him. He had died for the creation before he had ever made him. God's form bent over the sculptured face and breathed. Death stirred on the lips of the new one. The chest rose, cracking the red mud. A finger moved and an eye opened. But more incredible than the moving of the flesh was the stirring of the spirit. Those who could see it, the unseen, gasped. Perhaps it was the wind that said it first. Perhaps it was the star that saw the moment and been has twinkled ever since. Maybe it was the, the angel who was left to whisper, it looks like, it appears so much like, it is him. For you see, within man, God had placed a divine seed, a seed of himself. The God of might had created earth's mightiest. The creator had created not a creature, but another creator. And the one who had chosen to love had created the one who could love him in return. And now, it's our choice. Again, that's taken from In the Eye of the Storm by Max Lucado. He's one of my favorites. I'd encourage you to get that book. Would you agree with me today that in our country, that in our world there is a Luciferian spirit that says it's all about me I believe that the thing that stood out most in this short story is the result of sin where the angel turned in horror and asked what is that horrible stench remember what the Lord replied one word selfishness it's not about you it's not about me Our key verse in our study is 2 Corinthians 3.18. All of us who are Christians reflect like mirrors the glory of the Lord. And could I add, or not? Every single day and throughout the day, you and I have a choice to reflect his glory to a world that is desperately looking for what we have found in Christ. Trying to make life all about us makes us unhappy. Let's put 2 Corinthians 3.18 into a nutshell. And again, if you're in the habit of writing in the bi your Bibles, maybe you want, I'd encourage you to put this down. Focusing on Jesus, for he changes me. We have a tendency to focus on problems and situations that come into our life that we don't relish. Physical problems, financial problems, how people mistreat us. And we focus on all of these things and when, then we get discouraged. And can Jesus be seen at such times in our lives? 
No. But when we refocus and get off of all of that and refocus on Jesus, he then changes us. What do you see when you look in the mirror? I looked in the mirror this morning. I wasn't too impressed, just to be honest with you. I can remember one time just a few years ago that I was looking in the mirror and, and doing whatever, and, and uh, the thought occurred to me, wow, Dad, when did you get here? <laughs> like we look in the mirror and see ourselves, others ought to look at us and see him, Jesus. That's what it's all about, folks. And trying to make life all about me again, makes me an unhappy individual. Maybe that's the reason why we see so many people unhappy today. What do you think? Until Copernicus came along in 1543, we enjoyed center stage. The universe pretty much revolved around us. But then he came along and he began to ask some questions. How far can a ship sail before it falls off the end of the earth? What causes the seasons why do some stars appear in the day and others at night he proclaimed that the sun was the center of the solar system people denied that fact for over a half a century can you believe that when like-minded Galileo came along the throne locked him up and the church kicked him out what Copernicus did for the earth, God does for the soul. He points to the sun, the S-O-N, and says, Behold, the center of it all. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22. At the center of everything is Christ. When God looks at the center of the universe, he doesn't see you. Sorry. Well, don't get me wrong, you're appreciated. You're loved. You're central, but essential, pivotal, sorry. Contrary to popular thinking, the world does not resolve, revolve around us. This sounds almost like heresy today in the day in which we live, primarily because of what we've been taught and because we've grown up in America, but here it goes. Our comfort is not God's priority. God, oh yeah, I forgot. <clears throat> God doesn't exist to make a big deal about us. We exist to make a big deal about him. Amen? Because it's all about him. The moon is a great illustration of this. As we know, the moon generates no light. Apart from the sun, the moon is nothing more than a pitch black rock. Yet properly positioned, the moon beams let it do what it was made to do. And that clod of dirt becomes a source of inspiration and even romantic. The moon reflects the greater light. It's happy to do so. It never complains. It's at peace in the place because it is, and because it is, there's a soft light that touches our dark earth. I love what if questions. Here's a good one. What if we would accept our place as sun reflector, reflectors, as O-N. Such a shift comes stubbornly. We've been getting our way for a long time, stomping our feet. Have you been around any infants lately? 
You'll see that very quickly, won't you? We are born with a selfish drive. And though we may not say it out loud, many times what we'll think is, I want a spouse that will make me happy and meet my needs. I want co-workers who will always ask my opinion, weather that suits me, traffic that helps me, a government that serves me, and a church that meets all my needs, all because it's all about me. Self-promotion, self-preservation, self-centeredness. When will we learn self-celebration will not make us happy? Self-celebration creates one thing only, and that is chaos. And look around us today at what's going on in our country. Have you ever gone to a high school concert or a symphony orchestra and all of the instrumentalists were warming up they're all doing their own thing at their own time harmony oh no it's enough to make your skin crawl but then the the maestro steps to the the conductor steps to the uh, podium and he lifts that little baton and, and they get together and they begin to play what's written all finding their place in the sun which produces what? Happiness, not disharmony. That's the way God intended us to live. We're not made to live with disharmony, but we're guilty of doing so. You know, it's no wonder that that's true. If you think everything's about you, and I think everything's about me, There's no place for harmony. What if we played the music the maestro gave us to play? What if we made his song our first priority? Instead of, this is my body and I'll do what I want, I'll enjoy it, we would acknowledge that it is his body and we have to respect it. Instead of, we'd see suffering differently. My pain proves God's absence would be my pain expands God's purpose. Instead of here's what I want, it would be more of what do you want? What would happen if we accepted our place in the SON as sun reflectors? Life makes sense only when we accept our place. The gift of pleasures, the purpose of problems, they're all for him. As we begin a new year, you probably, as most people do, came up with all of these new ideas and things that you, goals that you want to have, resolutions we call them. May you put this one, number one. Focusing on Jesus, for he changes me. I believe if we would do that this morning, all other resolutions would follow and fall into place. The gift of pleasure, the purpose of problems, 
They're all for him. It reminds me of the old hymn. It's entitled, More of You. It simply states, more of you, more of you. I have it all, but what I need is more of you. Of things I've had my fill, and yet I hunger still, empty and bare. Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. How do we make the shift when for so long we've been used to getting our way? We've been so self-centered. How can we budge off of self-centered? Attend more seminars, go to church more often, read good books? Those are probably, they would be helpful. But the main way to move from self-centered to God-centered is to focus on Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm thinking you're like me. It's a lot easier to focus on how people treat me, the problems that I'm facing, the predicaments I find myself in. But when we get our eyes back on him and off of those things, that's when we are changed. Let me ask you a question this morning. Couldn't we all use a little change? 2 Corinthians 3.18, focusing on Jesus, for he changes me. Could I encourage you to, as we begin another year, make that a priority in your life? Maybe this year you'll take 2 Corinthians 3.18 and make it your verse for the year. Focusing on Jesus, for he changes me. When our focus is skewed, we have a rough time seeing as we should. I can remember a time in my life when I was uh, watching television, and I didn't know something wasn't quite right. And I covered one eye, and things looked good. I covered the other eyes. Things didn't look so good. It was pretty blurry. So I go to the eye doctor and get checked out. And um, long story short, I had to have a new lens put in because of an injury that I had had years ago. We wear glasses to correct our sight so that we can see better. We're able to see. We're able to focus. And in the same way, we need to do some things in our lives on a regular basis that will help us to focus on him. Please understand that your enemy and mine is going to do everything that he can this year because his tactics never change. They're always the same to keep you out of the word of God. I have a little saying that I like to pass along. Keep the beak in the book. And when we do that, and we're continually reminded about Jesus and focusing upon him, it will change us. You say, how do you know that, Grant? Because I didn't come up with the idea. It's right there in 2 Corinthians 3.18. While you cannot determine your birth, 
and you cannot determine your death, every single day you can determine how you're going to live. You can determine, today my priority above everything else is to spend time with and to focus on him. And then you will be what the Bible calls, and one of my favorite words, transformed. Just like that caterpillar is turned into that beautiful butterfly, God wants to transform us. And you know what? It doesn't just happen one time. It's a continual thing. That um, I'm looking back so I can get it right. That quote I gave you earlier, when God is present, the difference is obvious. Someone will ask me, Grant, what about the person that says they're a Christian, but their life doesn't show it? When God is present, what? The difference is obvious. There's the proof of the pudding. You see, I think in our churches today, we have a number of people that believe they're going to heaven because they prayed a prayer. What we have labeled as the sinner's prayer is not proof that you're going to heaven. Please understand that. The proof of anyone going to heaven is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, aorist tense in the Greek, all things are becoming, a continuation, becoming new. Please don't be deceived any longer, churchgoer. If you've grown up in the church and you say that you're a Christian, but you don't live differently than the world, then you have, you're just fooling yourself. When God shows up, when God is present, the difference is Obvious. That is 2 Corinthians 5.17. All over that. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. I'm not saying that you won't have a desire to do the wrong things. We still will do that because now we have two natures, old and new. But feed the new. Focus on Jesus. And you become stronger. You become transformed. And if you don't, you won't. We, make, we try to make the Christian life so hard. It's simplistic. It's him first. I can't say to you that I'm born again and still have the same, go to the same places, look the same, have the same desires, and all of those things because God says, it's, I'm new if I'm in him. It all begins with a brand new heart. So I have different motives. I have different goals. I have different desires. I want to go to church. I want to get into the Word of God. I miss it when I don't. I want to congratulate you, by the way, for being here today. I know we prayed for rain, but I'm thinking this morning when I got up, God, does it have to rain on Sunday? Thank you for the rain, huh? Amen? And thank you for coming. I hope that the series on It's Not About Me will be a real challenge to your heart and life. Next week, I've entitled the message, Show Me Your Glory. I think if there's just anything that we really need to see in life to spur us on, to keep us going, is for when God 
is when God shows us his glory. So he shows up and he shows off. I love that thought. Perhaps you're here today. Maybe you've gone to church forever. Maybe this is your first time. It doesn't make any difference, really. For you see, the worst person in the world today, did you get that? The worst person, I don't know who that is. I have some ideas. <laughs> the worst person in the world today and the best person in the world today equally need Jesus because we are all born into sin. You don't have to sin to become a sinner. You sin because you are a sinner. Got it? And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, separation from God forever. But the gift of life is he, but the gift of, from God is eternal life. And it's only through Jesus that one receives that gift. So while all of this is important today, the most important decision that you will ever make in this lifetime is what you will do with Jesus. And you have two choices. Accept the free gift of salvation because of his atoning work on Calvary or reject it. One, you choose heaven. The other, you choose hell. You say, but Grant, God's a loving God and he would never send anyone to hell. Agree, but you choose where you will spend an eternity. If I had this all wrapped up this morning and I said, this is a gift and it's just for you, what would you have to do? Accept it, right? That's what God's saying. I have a gift for you. The gift is eternal life. It's through my son, Jesus, who died because he loved you enough that if you were the only person in all of the world, he died for you. Will you accept it? Will you accept it? You know if you're born again or not because the Bible says that God's spirit witnesses it to you. And if there's a tugging at your heart's door tonight and you're basing salvation on something that's happened way back when, but there's never been any change in your heart and life, would you trust him today? Because that's evidence that there's no life there. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Is the Spirit of God speaking to your heart today? Or do you know that you know that you're born again? If there is that doubt, I want to invite you to pray this prayer very, right, what you're, right where you're at. Or you can put it in your own words. And just ask him to do today that which you cannot do for yourself. Forgive you of your sins and be changed from this day forward and forever. And join the family. We invite you to do so. God loves you so much again that if you were the only person that ever lived on this planet, Jesus came to die just for you. So if you'd like to trust him as your Savior today, would you just silently pray this prayer as I lead you this morning? Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to save me and forgive me of my sin. And right now I ask you to do what I can't do myself. Forgive me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for raising again. And thank you for your willingness now to impart to me new life not only physically alive but spiritually alive as well thank you for coming into my heart i repent of my sin and i ask you to forgive me this morning and i want to thank you for it right now